Welcome to another exciting episode of Celluloid Citizens. I am, of course, Sean M. Thompson. And I'm Gemma Files. Yes, and I was going to say today, Gemma is back, and we're going to be discussing the 1996 film Strange Days, directed by Catherine Bigelow and written by James Cameron and Jay Cox. Yep. And starring Ray Fiennes and Angela Bassett and I believe Vincent D'Onofrio, a bunch of others. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it It is very much a spot the famous person or the person who was not famous then but later became famous um, kind of cast. Yeah, basically. Um, so before we begin, yeah, strangely, uh, strangely applicable film for something that came out in 96 that was one of those late 90s depicting the future end of the world type movies. Yeah, it's uh, set set. Uh, starts at, on December the 30th, 1999. And I remember at the time, um, there was all sorts of pushback on the idea, well, you know, on a million ideas that th that the film was trading with. But, you know, even on things like, oh, I don't think when the millennium turns that rap is going to be the most important music genre in popular music. They were surprised. Yeah, seriously. I remember that for a long time. They were like, it's just a fad. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, seriously. And yeah, it, you know, despite the fashion sense and the music. Um, Come on, the music is glorious. That is a glorious I do love the soundtrack. music, though. I mean, I am, I am a 90s kid, so do love the music. I was just, I'm trying to think of the best way to word it. I mean, you know, full spoilers. So this isn't giving anything away because we're giving everything away. Exactly. A main plot point is basically that a famous rapper is killed by police and it's filmed. Yeah. And yeah, just uh, the whole police brutality thing is still obviously very uh, abundant, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, there is that moment where Angela Bassett's character basically says, if everyone could see this tape, if everyone could experience this moment um, wholesale uh, for themselves, then things would change. But, you know, three or so days after the Derek Chauvin um, verdict, is that actually true? Uh, considering that uh, the cops killed three more kids during the trial. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's sad. Um, yeah. But anyway, I guess let's get into this sort of chronologically. Mm -hmm. um, so we're introduced to Lenny. Lenny is more or less a drug dealer, but he deals in... Tape. Well, VR. He deals that basically the plot is there's this headset you can put on. You get wired. It's called jacking in, which always makes me laugh. <laughs> it's a squid tech. Yeah, but essentially it's uh, I I believe what it'd be known as now would be deep dive VR, like essentially full immersion yeah, exactly. VR. Um, you so you you see everything, you hear everything, you feel everything because it basically in this universe taps into your. It taps directly into your brain. Yeah, into your cortic, cortical center, essentially, I guess, um, your cortex. And, uh, you know, obviously that never happened. But the interesting thing is that I do think that in a lot of ways, Strange Days um, absolutely uh, 
shows us where things are going to go in the future in terms of stuff like YouTube and Jackass and TikTok. Um, it's, it's sort of predicating, you know, much, much like when you, you watch an old episode of Star Trek and you see them using something that looks remarkably like an iPad. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like everything else we didn't get, but we got this one thing. <laughs> and, um, so I, I think of it as more like a sort of a side future than one of those retro futures, one of those dead futures or future past. No, because it, it, it does, it still seems plausible just not absolutely the timeline obviously doesn't add up because nothing like that was happening in 1999 nope nope absolutely i think even when they made the film in 96 they probably didn't assume anything would happen like that well at least in terms of the technology i mean you always have to wonder with dystopias you know it's like people expect things to get kind of bad but how bad do they actually expect it to get And how um, how warped do they actually expect the baseline to become? I just remember being a kid and there was all the crap about Y2K is going to completely screw up all the banks and all the computer systems. And sure. And then there was obviously the religious who were like, oh, it's going to be the rapture. And obviously none of that happened. But definitely on New Year's Eve, I was like, I was like, is some shit going to go down? Mm-hmm. It didn't. But it I did wasn't not. sure. It did not. It uh, went down a couple of years later. And then things started to change. Yeah, no, that's true. This is the thing. We don't know. We have no idea. Um, <laughs> not, neither the day, the day nor the hour. But, you know, um, it was true that we were on the verge of something. We just didn't know what we were on the verge of. And that, I think, is the way that it usually goes. And Yeah, no, it's true. Um, hindsight becomes twenty twenty. Anyways, so... I think I told you this uh, off air, but... What I love about Lenny is he's basically like my favorite Philip K. Dick character that was never actually written by Philip K. Dick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you did you notice that um, the uh, the police commissioner is named after a Philip K. Dick character? I did not. I'm more of a casual PKD fan. Which book was it? Well, I mean, he his name is Palmer Strickland, which I can oh, only think. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> which I can only think is a shout out. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Because um, I don't know why you would name anybody Palmer. <laughs> if yeah, you that's an interesting that. name. It is an interesting name. Um, so, yeah, Lenny is, like, very much like a Philip K. Dick character. Uh, in in that, um, he has a lot of trouble distinguishing between reality and a, um, a fake version of reality. Um, he is addicted to his own memories of the past. Uh, specifically, he's addicted to his own memories of his early relationship with a woman named Faith, um, played by Juliet Lewis. Uh, and, you know, Faith is, an, Faith is an interesting character because she's set up to be the femme fatale in all this, but I, I don't think she actually is. The no, fact I don't is, think so. No, um, yeah. you think maybe that's where it's going, but it doesn't end up going that way. No, not not completely. Um, you know, certainly she's by the time we meet her, she's gotten to a point with Lenny where it's where it's like, I'm fine using you and dumping you. Um, but I think she does feel something for him. It's just that her relationship with with him was never what he thought it was. No, no, definitely not. Um, Lenny's a very frustrating character. He's yeah. meant to be a frustrating character, but. You know, like his whole aura is basically like sleazebag, you know, like. 
he's he's a very 1970s character he is, is yeah i mean like he has so yeah. many quirks that i love like he goes around wearing a fake rolex and anytime he gets into trouble he's like no no no, i'll give you my watch it's a rolex yeah, and then he'll give right. it to someone and then immediately go back to a suitcase that's filled with other fake rolexes Yes, his bulletproof suitcase, as it turns out, which is filled with his squid um, headset and various tapes and and fake Rolexes. <laughs> yeah, um, and he's, he's, he's just sleaze- very... Yeah, he's a sleazoid uh, in a lot of ways. And in terms of being a, a sort of film noir character, he reminds me very much of a classic film noir from I think about 1950, where um, Richard Widmark plays a boxing promoter in the UK, um, and it's called Night in the City. And yeah, it's basically about a guy just talking his way into trouble and out of trouble for an entire night, uh, which is pretty much what Lenny does. Ends worse than Strange Days does, but... Oh, okay, yeah, so yeah. that's bad. Yeah, but... Because Lenny is... gets himself into some shit... Oh, he does. Um, and he's in some shit before, you know, before we meet him, because he was at one point a cop, a fairly well thought of cop, probably in Vice. Uh, he's managed to get himself thrown off the force. He's become uh, the moral equivalent of a pimp. <laughs> at one point, he says, I got ethics here. Um, and somebody else goes, yeah, when did that happen? <laughs> he he literally is that kind of guy and yeah no, i mean he's 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 very much a drug dealer you know just because it's virtual reality it's still treated like the same way it's black market yeah know, the same kind of meeting places he gets the crap beaten out of him the same amount of times yeah exactly i mean um a lot of people say that the term for a movie like this is something like tech noir um, it's very much neuromancer in the real world, uh, where the tech is the McGovern, but not the location. Uh, the location is ostensibly uh, this, you know, the streets and the back alleys and the um, and the meeting places of very nighttime L.A. at the turn of the millennium. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my brain is mush, so forgive me, but. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so basically, you know, introduced to Lenny, introduced to what Lenny the, sells. The concept of the squid tape. Uh, right, the of concept the of the VR, how it works, um, yeah. what his um, life is like. Yeah, and, and basically um, when we meet Lenny, he's going around looking to buy tapes off of people. And the first person that we meet is uh, this guy, Tick, who has a tape that he wants to sell him. And it turns out to be uh, from the point of view of a guy uh, who robbed a Chinese restaurant and then did not quite escape. <laughs> um, manages to uh, to flee the cops for quite a while and then uh, misses a handhold and falls off the top of roof of uh, uh, the top of a roof and uh, falls down into an alley and dies. You know, and Lenny's sort of like, ah, you know, it's like, I, I don't deal in blackjack, which is, you know, yeah, that's snuff. the term they have for like basically snuff uh, blackjack. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and it, it's yeah. pretty funny, though, because initially you think he's like horrified. Yeah, and he sort of is. But he's more just like, oh, it's so jarring when they die. And then you're like, oh, oh OK. <laughs> yeah. And takes like, no, it's when you plug into the big black man. 
people pay extra for that. And he's like, yeah, but I don't sell to those people. <laughs> and, and it just becomes this thing about, you know, I'm, I'm, you want a thousand, but I'm going to have to give you maybe 600 because I'm going to have to chop off the last part of it and people will be able to tell. They yeah, want the no, full experience. Um, yeah. So from there we go to um, him, try him uh, sampling a threesome. Uh, and trying to uh, give one of the girls um, orgasm tips. Uh, you know, it's like, try to try to make it look like you're really enjoying it. And mm -hmm. then trying to fit a, another dude up to uh, have sex with his girlfriend with a, with a squid wire on. Um, and from he's there. He's got ethics though. Yeah, he's got ethics. Yes, of course he does. He, he makes porn. He doesn't make snuff. <laughs> <laughs> he just sells it with the, with the, with the snuff part. I uh, mean, one of the funniest parts, out. I don't I don't know if it's intentional or unintentional, but there's a lot of Ray Fines and others basically, you know, they have to act out like they're whoever they're living the experience of the VR from. Oh, yeah. So you get a lot of like men holding their boobs that don't exist. Yes, I was I was just about to get to that, that the wonderful uh, meeting with the guy who may or may not be an entertainment lawyer who uh, we get to see making an obvious O face while holding quote quote his boobs as Rafe is like yeah yeah pretty good huh <laughs> yeah and I mean you know there are varying levels of like Ray finds I feel he does a good job but it's like you know what what did he even have you have to pantomime whatever you're experiencing so there's no way it doesn't look sort of odd at times yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's no way that experiencing somebody else's experience is not to some degree going to look masturbatory. But well, yeah, you know. no, it, it definitely gets very like, hey, you ever want to see Ray's O-Face? You know, here's the movie. <laughs> Maybe. You know, I, I don't know. Um, Rafe himself seems like a very private dude. But Lenny is not a very private dude. No, Lenny, Lenny is. Lenny is splashing it out everywhere, so to speak. Everyone knows his business and um, nobody respects him for it. <laughs> no, not even his friends. I not would say especially friends. not his friends. Yeah. Well, considering his best friend that we need is, uh, you know, um, well, to his two best friends. One of them has something going on that we find out later and uh, which, you know, puts a, a, a sort of um, negative slide uh, on everything he said up to that point. The other uh, one, yeah, it's kind of hard. The other to... one is Angela Bassett. The other one is Lornette Mason Mace, um, who, you know, is fairly obviously in love with Lenny uh, and dislikes herself for it because it's like, wow, you know, who could you possibly pick to fall in unrequited love with, Net? You know, who'd, who'd be the best guy? Oh, it would be this pussy whipped white ass motherfucker. Yeah, that's a that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you sympathize because he's like so terrible. <laughs> yeah. But at one point he was he was the cop who um, was nice to her son while her husband was getting arrested. And you yeah, know. And he, she's basically had that. um had his past self cover for his future self, basically yeah. for years, it seems like. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, she's completely re remade herself. At one point, she it looks like she was a nurse. She's now a, a security, uh, uh, security rated um, driver uh, driving a bullet 
not not bulletproof, but bullet uh, bullet resistance. Bullet resistance. They make a point <laughs> to emphasize that later. Yeah, exactly. Town car through, uh, you know, again, nightside L.A. Um, dealing with gangsters and acting as a bodyguard for the people she drives around and, you know, doing all sorts of amazing stuff. Um, in a lot of ways, Lenny is her femme fatale, her home fatale. Um, and she is like the private eye character here. Yeah, because his his agency is very much like he sneaks into a place. Someone's like, get out of here. He tries to talk his way out of it. He gets punched. Yep. Yeah. And occasionally he can um, negotiate the punching. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, you don't want my watch? Well, um, can I at least take my jacket off first? Because it's kind of expensive. And also, please not in the eyes. Yeah, this is clearly a man who's used to getting his ass kicked. Yes. Um, and, you know, to some degree, it's because it's it's interesting. The likable part about Lenny is that he's actually very sensitive. He's soft in a way that other people um, find weak, but I am not entirely sure that it's weak. Uh, he He cares. And his his caring, his ability to care for people is the thing that other people play upon. Um, so it's a, it's an interesting situation, but yeah, in a lot of ways, he's, he's like the, he's like the, the girl who can't help but being bad that the, the good guy walking the mean streets gets involved with, <laughs> except he's the guy and she's the girl. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's fair. Um, at some point, we we hear um well we're introduced obviously to Angela Bassett and um Yeah. Uh, I was about to say Michael Madsen. No, Tom Sizemore. I always get them confused. Exactly. Uh yes. but yeah, we're introduced to Tom Sizemore. He apparently got shot in the head. Yes, he did. As a police officer uh, which... and now he's uh on social or uh disability, I guess. Yeah, he's on disability and he also does um bodyguard work and surveillance work. Um, and we meet him when Lenny first tries to, um, tries to get close to Faith. Um, and Faith is performing at a nearby club. Um, he has to, <laughs> his, um, his, his car gets, uh, his car gets towed, uh, the moment that he tries to get there, um, which is shortly after, uh, a last person tries to give him a tape which is a woman named, um, played by Brenda Bacco. Uh, her name is Iris. And near the beginning of the film, we actually saw her get chased by two cops um, who, strangely enough, are played by William Fickner and Vincent D'Onofrio. Um, I say strangely enough because in a lot of ways, uh, Tom Sizemore is playing the Vincent D'Onofrio part in this. Yeah, kind of is. It's like, yeah, a few a few years later, Vincent D'Onofrio would have would have gotten that part. Um, and so uh, Brenda has just been chased around uh, by cops. Obviously, it's been a really bad night for her. Um, we saw her take off a wig. We saw that she was rigged with a squid rig underneath it. Um, and at the end of Lenny's meetup with uh, the the guy who 
desperately wants to have boobs at least uh, <laughs> at least for you know 15 minutes or something like that i mean you uh, know i empathize yeah, everybody's curious I, I guess i understand um you know i've had them for a while and they're not that fascinating actually they're just bags of heavy fat hey, i but, mean i'm uh, sure it's vice versa so exactly anyway um so uh, she shows up. She's like, Lenny, I have something I, I need to show you. And he's like, oh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. He's, he's um, trying to field like three things at once the way that he always is and kind of brushes her off. Right, because um, he's so – it's so frustrating for so much of this film because he's like, yeah. there's all these very important things he needs to deal with. But he's like, what about Faith? I should go check on Faith. Yes, exactly. Anyway, like, so get the so hint. She don't want you no more. Yeah, exactly. So he's distracted by the fact that his um, that his car is being towed. He then manages to talk his way into Mesa's car uh, by picking up uh, the guy he, that she has come to pick up. And uh, then when they're in the car together, he shows the guy his squid rig. The guy's like, oh, well, I like tapes. <laughs> He's like, oh, well, you know, let, why don't why don't I sell you a tape? And, and you know, she like I know. literally it's pulls just off like on You feel this. so bad because he's so obnoxious. He talks his way into getting a free ride because yeah. his car got towed. Yeah. And then, then he, he starts... proceeds to basically sell drugs to In the, back the passenger. Of the you know, to her She like, you know, gets real pissed off, pulls over on the highway and is like, no, you're walking. He somehow talks his way out. Well, no, he hops on the hood of the car. He, you know, she she takes off and he hops on the hood and he's like, "Hey, could you could you let me back in? I I can't hear the stereo out here." <laughs> and so you she know. finally just like relents and lets him back in. And was like, "You have to leave," yeah. you know. And he convinces the fair to go to the club he wants to go to. So Which he's definitely they... got the gift of gab. He's just God. He can be so obnoxious. Uh, seriously, which is where Faith is performing. Um, and we get to see Juliet Lewis perform. Um, and I realized that, you know, okay, so I'm going to tell you uh, the funny story that I was going to tell you oh, about okay, yeah. the first time I saw this film. Um, Juliet Lewis was a biggish person back in 1996. Oh, yeah, I remember. Um, but she was always a little much for people. She's got a very weird physicality. She's got a strange voice. Yeah, know? she does. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, and, and also, interestingly, she's giving a really good performance of a PJ Harvey song, uh, which is Hardly Wait. Um, indeed, both songs that she sings in this movie are PJ Harvey songs. Oh, okay. I wasn't um, actually sure. I thought maybe, because I know she tried to do... Um, yeah, she, I and, mean, and she, they're not bad. Essentially, you know, is a singer, so... Yeah, uh, Juliet and the Licks is her band, okay. and um, they're not bad at all. Uh, but I personally think that these two covers are the best things that she's ever done, and I actually like her version of Hardly Wait better than PJ's version of Hardly Wait. At any rate, um, and so she's she's performing uh, Hardly Wait dressed in literally a chain mail dress with yeah, underwear and no bra and um, contorting herself. And uh, so when I went to see this, I had to review it. And the only screening that they had was a semi-public screening where they they were they had given away um uh, passes to get in. And uh, there were three guys in front of me who throughout the entire film 
catcalled Juliet Lewis because they couldn't stand her. And it was sort of like they thought that if they were just loud enough that she would like literally turn around and go, oh, I'm sorry, Rafe. Those guys in the front don't like me. I'm going to have to leave. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting got, how people react to cinema. I know. The louder they got, the louder I got, you know. They're like, ooh, boo. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. You know, so I'm sure we were making it really great for everybody else in the film. I know, the everyone else is like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. At the end of the screening, one guy got up, he turned around, and he said, hey, you want to go? You want to go? You want to take it outside? I said, what the fuck are you saying? Are you saying you want to punch me? Are you saying you want to get in a fight with me? 19 year old man you want to get in a fight with a 30 year old film critic is that what you want to do it would make <laughs> for an interesting review yeah exactly and and i said listen you are acting like an ass throughout that entire thing you have to understand that when you do that there's going to be some blowback you have to take some responsibility for your own actions he looks at me and he goes responsibility that's a big word do you know what that word means and i was just like bitch do you know what that word means that's my funny story about going to see strange days i mean so, that is pretty funny i've got a number of <laughs> i mean i grew up or sorry not grew up i was living around boston so we'd go to a lot of movies and like there was definitely one where my friend almost got in a fight with someone yeah uh just shit like that but that's yeah, not absolutely. applicable right now no, it's um, you know, I'm 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 telling this story basically a because it's funny and b because to me, um, and b because uh, Juliet Lewis is a lot and yeah, I, I mean she is she's definitely yeah. Admittedly, I'm not the hugest. I think she does a good job in this, but I'm not the hugest fan of her as an actress. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean she's very um, stagey. Uh, she hits a very particular note and you're either going to like that note or you're not going to like that note. Yeah. But I think that it works very well for Faith because Faith is a person who is to some degree always playing a role. She's always, she's always playing a role. She's always lying. The only place where she can be fully herself is on stage. And therefore, everything that she does is aimed to get herself back on stage. Right. Yeah, no, it's true. And I mean, she's sort of tragic. We find out later that um, when Lenny found First her, she was basically her. addicted to, he says she's given $20 blowjobs, like, for you know, crank. for yeah. drugs, basically. Yeah. And um, that he helped her dry out and he, to some degree, was one of the first people to say, listen, your, your voice is amazing. You should move, you should move towards that. He says, you know, you are, you are spending so much time um, aimed at getting to be a star and you are going to be a star. You're like a fucking cruise missile, but you have to think about the people that you're hanging around with, um, which, you know, and, and it looks like he's being very, um, self-centered about that because the people she's hanging around with are the people that she left him for right. um but at the same time philo gant uh who's played by um michael uh jesus what is his name uh michael wincott okay michael wincott with his amazing voice <laughs> 
Yeah, the uh, the who played Top Dollar in The Crow. Um, if you saw him, you'd recognize him. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah, and uh, he is not a good guy. <laughs> no, know? no, we, we know not that by long, any stretch. I mean, the, before he it's, it's not like a thing where Lenny hates him because I mean he does Lenny does hate him because he's dating Faith, but he also hates him because he's also just a terrible person. Yes, he's an awful person, and the the thing that he has to recommend him is that he owns a record label and he is a rock promoter. And one assumes that Faith gets the gigs that she gets essentially because she's sleeping with Philo. Yeah, basically. Yeah, but Philo is also paranoid, and he's a wirehead, and he's becoming more and more obsessed with um, getting everybody that he manages under surveillance and this is what max is doing for him so it turns out that uh max has been um paid by lenny's friend max has been paid by philo gantz to um to surveil faith and so he has a very good idea of what faith has been doing um because he's been following her around with a wire on his head (laughs) which uh, actually explains his terrible hair it does. I was going to bring up, he's got this <laughs> tremendous blonde wig and I should have seen it coming, but you know, I forgot. I haven't seen this in 20 years. Um, right. I just spent the whole movie like, that's a wig. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite, it's like this enormous blonde wig. Like he's trying to try out for a Zeppelin cover band or something. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, uh, Lenny goes to the club, um, collides with Faith, uh, tells her that uh, she's mismanaging her life and needs to come back to him. Faith is like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, Let's Philo throw him out, basically. (laughs) Um, And uh, Lenny then goes home and watches a bunch of tapes from the early part of his relationship with Faith, Um, much much like he is either shooting up or masturbating. and. It's it's here that we see that what he's hooked on is his own illusions, um, that what he's actually seeing is a person who has a trick of inhabiting her own moments so truthfully. He doesn't get that all his assumptions about her in those moments are inaccurate. She never says, I love you. She no, just enjoys no, I mean, herself. Even when you're watching the uh, the tape, yeah, it, it almost plays like, he's a John and like, she's like a prostitute or something. Yeah. You know, it's like, she's, she's, uh, she's trying to get him to roller skate with her and going, come on, baby, you know, you're doing really good. You know, she's got this really, yeah, like, very honestly, when I was watching it, I was, when I, I remember when I first saw this, I was like, is this just, did he like pay her to do this and like put on this act of like, we're dating and this will be the tape. But no, that was him dating her. That was, you know, from from his point of view, they were having a relationship. I'm sure he paid for things, but he right. wasn't yeah, no, paying. Yeah, it's actually it's, it's legitimately them. when they were dating. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, and he just can't get past it. And you know, he's he's like a character in a Warren Zevon song. You know, <laughs> he really is that kind of guy. Um, lives by night. Uh, you know, uh, he sleeps during the day, and then at at when you know night falls he gets up and hustles again and you know i i think it's um i think it's worth something that uh often part of lenny's um uh his his patter is to say uh you know 
this is about the stuff that you can't have, right? You know, this is about the stuff that you cannot possibly get any other way, i.e., you know, siphoning off other people's memories, um, sharing other people's experiences. And for him, that is absolutely true. It is about the stuff that he can't have, the the stuff that he never did have. Um, It's about, you know, this illusion that he that Faith was ever really in love with him. Yeah. um, Before we move on, I did want to specify. I love club scenes in films because they're always so over the top. I've been to clubs before. Have yet to be in one. Maybe I don't have enough money, but I've yet to be in one that are like (laughs) this active. You know, there's like a band that's interacting with the stage and it's like there's a bar. There's like 20 bars. I don't know. Yeah, 20 bars, there's a there's a mosh pit, there's somebody getting pierced on the dance floor. Yeah, and it's also the diversity of, it's like, you got like your punk rockers, your like new wave people, your heavy metal, and they're all just around for some reason. Oh, oh yeah, and inside a cage in the middle of the bar, there's a bunch of Nazis burning books. Right, I forgot and, about that. And a bunch of guys uh, getting getting paid and betting on people doing a William Tell um, act, shooting cans off the heads of, you know, what looked like homeless people, drunken homeless people. It's a lot. I mean, one wonders <laughs> what, like, do, do you, what is the ad? Like, looking for Nazis to burn books in my club on Saturdays. Like <laughs> Exactly. Just show up, do what you want. Um, you know, really, I, I, have, I have no idea. But yeah, you know, the, the idea is that this is, the end of the world that this right is, i mean that yeah it's that side, people don't know, you know if they're going to live to tomorrow so they're just going to do whatever the hell they want yeah exactly and you know max tom sizemore uh has this long speech that he talks about where he talks about it's the end of the world everything's already been tried every type of music every type of hairstyle and i decided to go with this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um you know and and there's this real sense that um we're on the verge of a civil war and this in particular is being um is being brought up by the fact that uh a very very famous rapper who Philo Gant also manages named Jericho One has just been murdered um he's the kind of guy who's like a cross between Tupac and Malcolm X you know, uh, given to wrapping things like America's been by nightmare for 400 years. Yeah, basically. I mean, I definitely thought about, especially when the, you know, 96, I forget exactly when Tupac was killed, but it was close to 96. Yeah, exactly. It was. It was very close to 96. And there are theories that, I mean, I don't think we'll ever really know, but there are theories that the, uh, that he was killed by police. Yeah, it's, it's, it's possible. It's, it's not like it's impossible. I mean, it's not when, like he was a fan. You know, he was pretty vocal about not liking the police. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> On the other hand, he wasn't the guy who wrote "fuck the police." <laughs> um, but I was, I was thinking about the fact that uh, apparently the reason that Catherine Bigelow eventually committed to doing Strange Days was because um, she was part of the cleanup after the Rodney King riots. Oh, okay. That makes sense. And she saw a lot of stuff that made her think this is a very today, right now kind of project and I want to be involved in it. Yeah, I think what makes Strange Days still have the resonance is the the race relational 
stuff. I mean, yep. you know, it's it's interesting enough as a film as like a time capsule to the mid nineties mm-hmm. and that whole kind of dystopian future it's the end of the world type thing. But I think the whole uh the rapper being assassinated and then the fallout from that and being on mm-hmm. tape and the LAPD, that is what still gives it its resonance today. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, it absolutely does. But I mean, the drug culture is part of that. Yeah, and no, that too. The fact that, you know, okay, at the time, I remember people were like, oh, yeah, okay, fine. Uh, wire is obviously the next big drug. It's, um, you know, tape heads are like crackheads, da da da, you know, but that's not real. That's not a thing that's real. How could you actually get um, hooked on that? And I'm like, how could you not get hooked on that? That would be the thing that everyone would get hooked yeah, on. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like you wouldn't even have to smoke crack. You could just wear the video of the guy smoking crack. Exactly. Exactly. It's like you can sample everything, but you don't have to actually commit Like you can anything. literally die. I don't know any other way you can do that. Mm, that's true. Um, but again, it reminds me very much of internet culture. The way that you can do that. The way that you can essentially, you know... I want to see X and you stick it in, into the Google machine and pretty soon you can see X. Yeah. It's sort of predicted um, like YouTube and, you know, TikTok and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Algorithmic um, sales, sale tactics. You know, it's like, well, we see you're interested in dresses for fat ladies. Are you also interested in porn of fat ladies? Um, no, I am the fat lady who wanted the dress. <laughs> I, that woman is very attractive, but no, I, I would not like to see porn about her. That's interesting. <laughs> but yeah, um, there's a lot of it that is still extraordinarily relevant. And I think that while we think that the race, uh, the race element and the, and the defund the cops element the idea that the cops are essentially an army which is paid to keep everybody down, um, you know, paid by the rich to keep the poor down and, and the shrinking middle class. Um, both of those things are very immediate, but underneath it is that whole thing of can I sample the forbidden fruit and then just walk away? Can I, you know... Um, jockey ride on somebody else's experience and then just walk away um but can i actually do that because the high is going to have to get weirder and weirder and weirder and weirder to work yeah yeah that is the scary thing about uh, i did a modicum of research and when i say that i did it like google search for 10 minutes um right on where we're actually at in terms of virtual reality and i i i Went through one article that talked about deep deep dive VR, which is how I learned the term. Um, and essentially, mm-hmm. I forget the college, but there was a place that basically invented this type of – it's like this thin layer of plastic you wear on your skin that reacts. Um, it, it more or less uh, has hot and cold sensations, so they would possibly apply that to VR to enhance the experience because, you know, obviously right now we have – we have sight and sound, but we don't have touch or anything no, like that. No, no, that's that's the main thing that uh, that separates separates us from stuff like uh, Brave New Worlds feelies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so know. but we still are nowhere. I mean, even though we have prosthetics that can react to the human brain, I think that 
a few years ago they had and one for an arm that can react mm-hmm. to um at least the nerve endings around the arm or something it's somehow like you can track it being connected to the brain yeah you can open your hand and shut your hand you can move your fingers one by one um which is insane and incredible um but that is still very very but far it's still away. not putting a squid on your head and you're just instantly i'm in someone else Yes, exactly. (laughs) And it's like, hey, guy with no legs, here's a tape I made for you of a guy with legs running down the Santa Monica Boulevard. (laughs) I mean, that both made me happy and made me really sad. Oh, my God. Seriously. And we're back. Okay, so basically now we're in the secondary phase, uh, what I would call the second act of the movie. Um, This this is the moment where uh, where Lenny uh, receives a tape um, that he he doesn't know where it came from. Somebody seems to have slipped it inside of his jacket somehow, which means that it must have been somebody who touched him earlier. But on the other hand, he's been in some pretty touchy places. Yeah, um, there's been a lot of close contact stuff, which, you know, yeah. side note, having lived through COVID this year, <laughs> anytime I see large groups of people now, I'm like the before times where we... Hung out in large groups. Yeah, exactly. And there's lots of large groups in this film. So um, trigger warning. Uh, So he's lying down in the back of Mace's car, having gotten his ass kicked yet again, and um, realizes he has this tape. So he slips on his rig and starts sampling it. And um, as Mace is talking to him and going like, you know, (laughs) maybe you should not get your ass kicked all the time. And also, you know, I don't hustle my friends. And a friend is not just someone that you talk into doing things for you and blah, 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 blah. I mean, and, you know, and only later realizes that he's making the weird face in in her mirror. And uh, so he obviously is not think he's obviously is not um, listening to her at all. Uh, what right. what the tape turns out to be about is someone has tracked down Iris, who has been uh, hiding at a nearby hotel under a fake name and has broken into her hotel room and uh, beats her up and um, puts a squid on her head, jacks it into his output and rapes and kills her. Uh, which means that which while is just uniquely horrifying just, yeah. and yeah. it's a uniquely horrifying thing that this, I, I do appreciate that the film was like, where's the worst place we could take this, yes. that, you know, and that is pretty much the worst thing I could think of. Yeah. You get raped and murdered and you feel yourself, you feel the killer as well as yourself. Yes. You feel the pleasure that the killer takes in raping and murdering you. It's just like, it's just an added layer of awfulness. This is yet another thing that people were very, very down on this film for um, when it first came out. In fact, most of the response to the film was, uh, I would say, measurable more in a, Feminist backlash kind of, you know, what the wh- who would make this film? Who would make a film? Well, Catherine that, Bigelow. Well, but... yeah, obviously. Who would make this film? Um, who would make a film that spins around this idea of watching, you know, existential snuff? Um, and why would a woman make this film <laughs> would make this kind of film? And it was it was very interesting at the time. For... It's, it's an interesting discourse. I mean, yeah. I first and foremost, I don't think I have any real 
place because I'm a man and my interests are vested. Sure. But you know, and, said, and I'm a woman, I, I and I'm and think... I'm not vested in wanting to see women raped and murdered. No, but... no, but I do think sometimes when there's when there's um, really shocking things that cause people to have a strong reaction, they mistake the disgust of their reaction for complicity from the artist. Yes, that's exactly And it's like, I don't think they understand that like the disgust is on purpose. You're supposed to feel disgust for somebody, you know, basically being raped on camera. It's not supposed to be something that's applauded. It's supposed to be something that's truly horrifying. Yeah. And it's also interesting in hindsight because, and in context rather, um, because uh, this is what it takes to shake Lenny out of his sleazy mindset where it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll sell anything, <laughs> you know? Right. Because he's basically, you get the sense he's lived through all manner of crap in the, yeah. the VR environment. I mean, he, he shrugs off somebody falling off a building and dying. Like, Oh, I hate it when they die. Yeah, so. exactly. But this is the worst thing he's seen. This is yeah, literally it, the worst thing he's seen. It is, it is horrifying to him on a, core moral level and i mean it's very giallo too in the way it's um... extremely giallo actually he really he all he really needs is black gloves which he doesn't have but um yeah the whole thing of uh the the drapes being yeah you know um moved aside as he goes in through the balcony uh after breaking into the uh the, the next door um suite and yeah, absolutely. Um, what what I was going to say is that uh, so it's very important for Lenny's development as a human being um, that we see how shaken he is for this. In fact, right, that he finally finds the thing where he's like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, absolutely. And I sh absolutely should find out who killed Iris and why right. Iris was killed. Because right, yeah. she I mean, was a friend is, of mine. Um, she was a person I knew. She was, you know, it's like she was, Yeah, he was friendly with her. You know, they had a working relationship. Yeah, and uh, she was one of Faith's friends. So immediately he begins to think, you know, if if somebody did this to Iris, it's possible somebody might do this to Faith, um, which is the easiest way to get him to do anything, really. Um, but secondarily, later in the film, we get to see Mace get shaken out of her worldview or, you know, woken up to some degree to how important it is to solve this particular problem when later um, they get the, the tape that Iris was trying to give him. And it turns out to be tape of her watching Jericho one being um, death squatted by two bad cops. Too bad, LA Yeah, and it's cops. very, uh, it's very powerful. I think one thing that still holds up with the, I mean, a lot of stuff still holds up with the film, but especially the kind of first-person POV stuff they do for the um, the VR experiences, like from the beginning with the the robbery in the Chinese food place, like just the way it's set up, it does sort of instantly mm -hmm. put you there, yes. like you are living it. Yeah, I mean, and these are long takes. They're pretty much unbroken takes. Um, they are. Yeah, it's like most of them are about five to ten minutes. Yeah. Which in film time is that's quite a while. Yeah, exactly. And they were very difficult to um, to shoot. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, without, I mean, they might have snuck in some cuts, but you yeah, know, it's it's a limited amount of cuts. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, and all of that was 
A, extremely impressive at the time, but B, it was, you know, predicting what would later happen when um, small, uh, small video recorders became the norm. Um, Yeah, yeah. that's true. And body cams, let's face it. Okay, so, yeah, so uh, he is, he pukes and spasms. uh, He's sickened by it. You know, Mace is like holding back his hair. He as as he spills out of her out of her car, um, and uh, she, you know, he tells her what happened. She's also sickened. Then they find Max, and Max pretends to watch it. <laughs> right, he pretends to be also he, disgusted. Yeah, he pretends to be also disgusted, but it's pretty obvious that he is uh He's like, of, "Oh wow, that's so rough." Yeah, oh, that's so bad. Yeah, anyway, um uh he says that the obviously the guy's got mental problems, but he must have given it to Lenny. It's funny in retrospect. Yeah. I mean, not hmm. it's darkly funny in yeah, retrospect. Exactly. Yeah, but the guy's like, man, this guy must be real messed up, huh? Yeah, messed up in the head. Like he got shot in the head, maybe. (laughs) Anyway. He's probably real sexy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'll bet he's got long blonde hair. Oh, no. Way loud part, quiet, quiet part loud. Anyway, um, so uh, Max assumes that the guy gave it to Lenny so Lenny would distribute it. And Mace Mace agrees. You know, she's like, it's the dark end of the street. How you like it now? (laughs) You know? And uh, Max tells Lenny to go home and sleep, but instead he goes to warn Faith. <laughs> and right, because this is most of the film is him being like, "Man, something real important happened. I better go check on my ex again." Yeah. It's like, Wait, why? Yeah, exactly. Um, Philo realizes that he's there. He comes over, forces Faith to choose between them. Faith is, you know, not going to choose Lenny. Uh, and then she yells at him to go, and she's like, I don't love you anymore. You mean nothing to me. Um, and she has a little break in her voice, so obviously she's trying to get him to, out of there before he can get his ass kicked again, but almost immediately. Um, yeah, it's like the, you know, it's like the film about the dog, where it's like, get out of here. Yeah. I don't want you anymore. I don't want you anymore. Yeah, so, um, but immediately, of course, Philo sends him straight to the to the basement where all his goons are waiting. And um, the the goon in particular, uh, who sets into beating the shit out of Lenny this time, is uh, is a Canadian. In fact, she is a Canadian um, dancer choreographer named Louise Le Cavalier, uh, who oh, okay. used to run a dance uh, group called La 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 Human Steps. Um, here, playing a Playing a uh, woman whose name is, I shit you not, Vita Min. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the 90s. It was the 90s. I mean, that is what, like the blonde dreads. Yep. It was like, yeah, it was the 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, well, you know, all those muscles are real. <laughs> I know, but that is impressive. Yeah. I mean, like, it is truly something to behold. Once Angela Bassett shows up and starts kicking ass. Yeah, absolutely. So Angela shows up. She, uh, you know, Mace rescues Lenny. Um, Lenny eventually uh, manages to. He slinks uh, off like he usually does. Well, no, he doesn't. He, he, he gets up and he starts to slink off. And then he sees that Vita is about to cold cock. Oh, uh, that's from the back. Yeah. And so he cold cocks her by whacking a chair across her head and breaking it. <laughs> So they kind of uh, they kind of trade saving saving each other. 
Um, but you're right. That is sort of a femme fatale kind of thing where it's like <laughs> the detective beats the person up and then the femme fatale goes and kicks them. Yeah, that's right. Kicks him, kicks them. Or, uh, yeah, Lenny would definitely be the person picking up a vase and just breaking it across somebody's head. Basically. <laughs> so um, they leave and go to Tick. Tick reads the tape and says that the guy who made it has some sort of glitch in his cortical matrix. That the yeah, he's colorblind. Yeah. He somehow figures out he's colorblind. Yeah, the grayscale is out of whack, he says. And again, one's brain goes back to Max and the bullet in his brain. But not Lenny's, because Lenny is not made like that. <laughs> so Mason Lenny go get Iris's tape from his car, where she must have hidden it. It's being impounded. Um, a dog tries to stop them. Mace maces the dog in the face. Um, the bad cops show up. Um, Mace puts two into one of them, but he's got a vest. Um, the dog yeah. she maced earlier turns up to bite the other. There's a car chase. Mace is like, calm down, baby. This is what I do. But after a long, a lengthy and very violent car chase, um, they manage to uh, basically get them so uh, screwed up that neither of the doors work. So they're trapped inside the car. And um, then they splash gasoline all over the car. And well, before off. this, though, there is the the famous... Uh, Go on. The, is this glass bulletproof? It's bullet resistant. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, that's right. Whatever happened to bulletproof? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, don't, yeah, it's like, don't be paranoid. And then it goes from bad to worse because really they're like, paranoid. oh, well, now we're being lit on fire. <laughs> yeah, okay. exactly. Um, at that point, there's nothing else to do. So Mace drives the flaming car into the river. And he's like, what the fuck did you do? And she's like, the fire is out, isn't it? Um, so they're about to drown. She gets her shotgun from under the uh, floor. She shoots out the trunk and they swim away. Um, they go to Mace's house, they get her other gun and her kid, and then go to her Aunt Cecile's. Mace volunteers to watch Iris's tape, and she sees the two cops uh, death-squatting Jericho. And, yeah, that's a, that's a really amazing moment, mainly because Angela Bassett is amazing. Um, she is. I mean, you know, it's a bit hyperbolic, but not by much in this universe. Yeah. She's like, this is like a lightning bolt from God. And yeah. like, it's easy to look back and be like, well, that's a bit over all. the top. But it's like, but we've had 20 years of like, yeah. you know, footage of people being killed and all sorts of social media nonsense and all this sort of interactive crap. So. Oh, and, that you know, and the whole idea that, oh, there are deep fakes now, so everything could be deep faked. Oh, God. You know, it's like we're just in yeah, that's terrifying. such a bad place, such a fucking bad place that this seems sweet by comparison. In a yeah, lot. I mean, it's still terrible, but, you know, it's yeah. like so much terrible crap has happened. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so they, you know, she's she's like, all right, what are we going to do? First thing we have to um, we have to copy this tape. Uh, we need a few. Right. And at some point in here, I just have to bring this up before I forget. Yeah. I had a lot of weird moments with this film where musically I was like, oh yeah. yeah. So like, like I watched the trailer. Right. And the song from it, Killing Jesus. I was like, wait, is that the song though? Cause you know, back when I saw it at 12, I, that the was the song was stuck in my head, but I didn't buy the soundtrack. Yeah. So I had no idea what it was. That was the song, Killing Jesus by Skunk and Nancy. 
Okay, and then there was also this moment where she goes right here, right now. I'm like, wait a minute, that's a that's in a song, yeah. And it's right Fat here. Boy Slim, right and like, yeah. So there was a lot of like, oh, okay. So there's a lot of weirdness with that. Well, like, huh. um, I think that it's entirely possible. I mean, you know, I'm the person who uh, saw the shadow, really liked it. Saw you know the um, uh, the phantom and really liked it. Saw the rocketeer and really liked it. And the other day, somebody said, "Oh yeah, that's 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 the the holy trio of uh, movies, uh, pulpy movies that." Um, were released and then disappeared and then people rediscovered them on VHS. And I think in a lot of ways that Strange Days had a, had a real second life on VHS. Well, yeah, I mean, and on if you try to find this film, yeah. like, it's just, it's it's odd because Catherine Bigelow has had a lot of success since, you know, she did Zero Dark Thirty, yep. she did... Um, the Hurt Locker. What else? It was a lot of stuff. Yeah, the Hurt Locker. Uh, the Hurt Locker. That's the one I'm thinking yeah, about. Yeah, most recently um, Detroit. But if you try to stream this film, it's nowhere. Yeah, I know. But you also have to remember that Catherine Bigelow um, fell in a big hole for I think about at least seven years, or at least that's five true. Years. It's very easy to like kind of retcon it as like she had a successful, but yeah, she really, she really did not. She's she... she's always had the problem that all female filmmakers have, which is that she lives or dies on her last film. You can fuck up and make a film that didn't make a lot of money or didn't make as much money as people expected it to and survive that if you're a guy. You can be going yeah, on, I guess that's you can true. be going on to your next thing. And I mean, I think about James Gunn recently where however you fall on his his firing from Marvel and Disney, it's like he was immediately working with DC. So Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, there was a And point, I don't know if that had been a female director if they could have come back from that. There was a point in Catherine Bigelow's career, which happened to be the point where I interviewed her, where um like no one was giving her um no one was giving her anything. And uh the film that I interviewed her for is uh, has now fallen even deeper than Strange Days. I don't think you can find it anywhere. It's a film called The Weight of Water. Uh, yeah, I've never even seen yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So. You probably never even heard of it. You know, it was, it's like, no, I, I had to go to Canada and make this film. <laughs> you know, it stars Sarah Polly. <laughs> it's, um, uh, it's not a bad film, but, uh, you know, it's CanCon and um, it made about a buck. 75 yeah it is interesting to think you know it's very easy uh quick aside i was talking with someone the other day about this it's very easy to like yeah hindsight is twenty twenty. you look at someone who's popular now say yeah. and just assume oh well they were writing in the 90s or mm -hmm. they were making films in the 90s so it must have been a steady but then you actually go and it'll be like you know it's, they released a film in 2012 and then there's nothing until 2020 or you know yeah. there are a lot of yeah no there's a lot of that a lot of gaps and you know with Catherine Bigelow her stuff has always been strong really strong but it's been strong in weird ways um, yeah I was gonna say she's got this versatility that yeah I think you can appreciate now but I can understand producers being a little weary of back in the day because there is so much fluctuation in terms of um I guess thematic elements and yeah. the you know the kinetic style is always there but it she varies so much that I could see why and especially after strange days which I like the film but I'm sure there are plenty of people that didn't like this movie When you, yeah there were a lot a lot of people who didn't like this movie um and also, uh, when you think about the thing, uh, b about the fact that probably the two most 
audience-friendly films she's ever made are The Hurt Locker and Point Break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, audience-friendly is not her middle name, and it never has been. That's true. Point Break is, like, famously known as, like... It's like the film for bisexuals, basically. Yes, absolutely. And I I appreciate it on that level and many other levels. But you have to deal with the fact that, yeah, it's an FBI agent. But yeah, I mean, hunting, what? 19, I don't think people were really huge into that back then. Yeah, hunting a surfer who's also the leader of a bunch of bank robbers who are also surfers. Yes. And like the main bank robber is sort of this pseudo Buddhist. Yeah. Yeah, who, basically, he, who he sort of falls in love with. Yeah, it's like Hannibal without cannibalism. Uh, basically, surfing. yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, if they did season four and had them surf, I would be there for I, it. I would totally be there for that. Except they only surf when it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because otherwise people would recognize us, who have. <laughs> and in, you know, full seersucker suits. Like, who's that incredibly handsome guy with all the scars and that weird-looking European dude? And suddenly all Hannibal's food is beach food. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, let's let's not get distracted, though. Okay, so they go to see Tick um, to get a couple more dubs of this tape made, but someone has gotten there before them. Um, might be Max, who pulls up, like, five seconds later. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah. he's not even that. Oh, wow, what happened? Oh, gee. <laughs> you know, so someone. But they, they do a good job in this film of um, also of of taking the technology. And you really get the sense they're like, what's the other worst thing we could do with this? And it's like, oh, just fry someone's brain. Yeah, just fry someone's brain. Make it so that they are in a feedback loop for the rest of their life. They're. Which is truly, that's some yeah. real Harlan Ellison shit right there. Oh, yeah, seriously. Um, so again, Max has the great line, the issue isn't is, isn't if you're paranoid, man, it's the issues if you're paranoid, paranoid enough. enough. Yeah, it's a good line, though. Yeah, Mace is essentially advocating war at this point. Max is preaching against it, but he's also saying, don't stand too too close to me because, you know, you're going to get killed by the cops, essentially. Um, he's not wrong, but you know. Yeah. So the basically after again catching up to Faith, um, Faith tells Lenny that Philo said Iris on Jericho one because of his playback control freak obsessions. Uh, he's wiring up people right and left. He's surveilling everybody. Um, Philo uh, burnt what he thought was the only copy of the tape and sent Iris to a hotel under an assumed name where she got murdered. But Iris had already burned a copy of the tape at Tix, and that was the copy of the tape that she left in Lenny's car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Faith is playing the victim. She's playing Lenny. Um, Lenny and Mace try to get her out, but they get separated. Philo takes her back after breaking a bottle over Lenny's head. Mace pulls a gun to keep Philo's goons off. And, uh, before we know it, uh, we're back at Aunt Cecile's, and she's literally mopping blood off of his <laughs> off of his face while calling him a sorry ass pussy pussy whipped motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, this might actually be when she says right here, right now. Yeah, exactly. No, she, it is. It is. But yeah, no, I mean, yeah, he we're he gets his ass kicked a lot. <laughs> yeah, memories were meant to fade. They were designed that way for a reason. Um, and yeah, she's she's practically beating him up. She's uh, 
she wrestles but, the box. You know, she has a point, and that's, I guess, sort of the philosophical dilemma with this type of technology is, like, are, is it morally okay to even do this? Or, you know, even from the very fundamental, like, yeah, memories are meant to fade. You shouldn't be able to live your memory over and over and over. That's unhealthy. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, um, you know, because if you do that, you will get addicted to it. And Right, and, and, you know, she and has you're, a real heartbreaking... Yeah, or he, okay. you know, they oh. they have this back and forth about like, yeah, like why do you even like Faith anymore? And he's like, have you ever loved someone that doesn't love you back? And, and it she, doesn't stop you from loving them, and you know it's wrong, but you can't help yeah, yourself. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't stop you from loving them. It doesn't stop you from understanding them and forgiving them and wanting to protect them. And we get this, you know, look at Mace, and she's like, Yeah, Lenny, I know. And and you're just like, Oh my god. <laughs> And, you know, flashing forward very quickly. I'm so glad they end up together. You know, normally I don't like the, like, I'm not always a huge fan of the happy ending, but this one was like, well, good. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a whole two hour, 20 minute movie of just like, God damn it, Lenny. Like, look to the left. Look to the left because you are next to the most amazing woman in the world. And she and he just it. spends two hours being like, oh, but Faith. Oh, but. And meanwhile, it's like, yeah. Angela Bassett in like, you know, like thigh high dress, yeah. gun in the in the thigh, like yeah, 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 Lenny. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's like she loves the hell out of him, and she understands him, and she forgives him, and, and she, she saves his life. A she saves his of life times. a number of times, and she, and then he just proceeds to keep going. Oh, I wish Faith was. Yeah, she, she, she. You can she, see her just seething. She doesn't need to do any of that shit, but that's the thing with love. I yeah, I guess in a lot of ways, this is like my favorite cishet ship. Of in 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 a noir film, <laughs> it it makes yeah, but, it makes um, makes me happy. I'm uh, makes me happy. I I actually am heterosexual, <laughs> but um, yeah yeah yeah. So um you know so they have that confrontation. She steps on his tapes. He he's upset, but he knows she's going to go with him. She knows she's going to go with him to try and confront this evil head on um and where they end up is at the new year's party for 1999 um i would just like to add by the way how the hell i mean how did they get so many how did they get so many people do you think that was extras or do you think they were just filming during i'm sure it was extras it was extras I was gonna say it didn't. It wouldn't make sense to actually film during New Year's. There'd be too much you couldn't control. But yeah, but the amount of people is just. I don't know. Maybe that's a, coming from the now, where it's like people limit the amount of extras and well, you know, save money that way. But just looking at like the thousands of people or whatever. Oh it's yeah, nuts. no, it's it's incredible, and you know, it's downtown LA, and also they get around it to some degree by having the. Um, the party taking place inside of a hotel and they're well, that's true, yeah. going up and up and up through successive floors of the hotel, um, past successive, um, dance floors and, uh, band performances and yeah. Um, kick ass, uh, performance of, um, rid of me and you'll wish uh, you'd never met her. Um, yeah. Uh, you can cut that. That's awful. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'll, yeah. Okay. I'll probably keep it. All right. And, um, so, oh yeah, I was, 
actually, just to move back for a moment, um, one of the other reasons that Catherine Bigelow said that she was interested in the project when she saw the uh, 90 page um, <laughs> treatment that James Cameron had done of it uh, was that she really liked the emotional um, central theme, which is uh, a man trying to get the woman who loves him to save the woman he loves. And she thought that. She yeah, no, that's true. I, I haven't even really thought about it like that. That's got to be that added layer of frustration of like, why am I helping you yeah. help your ex-girlfriend that doesn't even like you? Yeah, that doesn't even like you. And as it turns out, is not actually in danger. So no. So here's here's where we kick into act three. And act three is all about climax, obviously. But it's also about, you know, it's like, what is the actual thing going on in the background here? On the one hand, um, the fact that uh, Iris was able to be on hand when Jericho One was murdered is an interesting thing, but it actually throws a spanner in the works of a plan that is already in process. And that plan right, yeah. is not between Philo Gant and anybody, and it's not between the LAPD and anybody. It turns out that, no, there are actually no death squads. There's just these two fuck-ups who decided that they'd, <laughs> that they'd cap this dude um, yeah. and didn't realize that uh, they were doing it in front of a person who was wired up. Um, but the actual plan that's in that's in process is between Max and Faith. And it is a plan to take down Philo and put Faith in a position where she doesn't have to worry about him anymore. And yeah. she can blame it all on Lenny. Yeah. And we get this great uh, kind of cat and mouse thriller moment where Lenny goes to a hotel room. Yep. He finds a tape, he starts playing the tape, and he sees Faith, and then suddenly someone is, like, you know, uh, handcuffing her to a bed and, like, putting a belt around her neck, and yep. you think, like, oh, no, and he's flipping out and trying to find her, and he sees this body under a blanket. Yep. And he checks, and it's not Faith. Yes, that's right. So he proceeds to watch the rest of the tape, and that's when he finds out it's... It's not really a fake out. It's more like a sex game type of thing. Like, yeah. yeah. And we, you know, we get to see that it is Max who's having sex with Faith. Yes. And Max is as much of a tape head as Philo is. Um, and Faith has transferred her allegiance to Max um, because Max can get her what she wants, which is away from Philo. And it, it makes sense because, you know, Philo's done about as much for her as he's probably going to do. He yeah. is, uh, he's paranoid. He's, uh, the equivalent of, of a druggie. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's slapping her in the face all the time and treating her like an object. And, you know, she wants to get out of that situation. And she also wants to not have to deal with Lenny ever again. So. Which you can't entirely blame her, but the method is sort of harsh. Yeah. The method is super harsh. I mean, even down to an and uh, including the fact that earlier she, you know, she said, what, what, how are you going to save me from anybody anyways? You don't even have a gun. And he, he blurted out, oh, yeah, I have a gun. It's underneath my bed. And then, <laughs> and which thus enabling Max to, you know, kill people with his gun. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. So that he can be blamed. 
uh, for the people that Max is going around killing. I mean, this is one of my favorite parts of the movie just because Tom Sizemore does a really good job of being just this crazed person that's like, all right, I'm going to tell you the plan. Yep. I'm going to tell you the plan because why not? You know, it's like there is no possible way that you can get out of this. You, have- I mean, there's a great moment where he's like, you came in and you killed Philo. And he's like, no, I didn't. And then bang. He's like, see, you just did it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Man. But yeah, and it's it's more or less. Yeah, it's it's not a death squad. It's, you know, it's Tom Sizemore wanting to. Well, it's Vincent. I mean, D'Onofrio. he was hired to kill someone. Yeah, um, it's it's Vincent D'Onofrio and William Fickner having done this incredibly stupid thing, and continuing yeah. to chase after, you know, Lenny and and Mace because they know about it. But what's actually going on is this plan to kill Philo and and pin it on Lenny, which is total noir, absolute noir. You know, it's like. I know that you're going to run after me and run after me and run after me for the rest of my life. So, yeah, keep doing that so that I can, you know, trap you and walk away. And at this point, we are now in the absolute moment where things begin to change. Now, as I recall... Um, before he goes upstairs, he has already had his moment with Commissioner Strickland, right? Where he's trying yes, to he the um, he sees Commissioner Strickland at the party. Yeah, he tells Angela Bassett, um, you know, like I'm, this guy like farts dust. He's, he's such a tight ass or something. Yeah. So if anyone's going to help you, it's going to be this guy. So Angela Bassett goes, tells him about the tape. You think that he's maybe in on it or just not going to listen to her because he, well, to be fair, she goes into the men's room to tell him. Yeah, exactly. Um, So they, you know, kick her out and she assumes, okay, they're not going to listen to me. Yep. But yeah, so he's, he's had this moment already, like, here's the tape and deal with this. Yeah, that's right. So as things are coming to a head with uh, Lenny and Max and Faith and Mace, you know, turns up for him the way that she always does. Um. And the cops turn up, the, the bad cops turn up, and there's this um, sort of scrum, essentially, <laughs> that happens um, where the bad cops end up beating Angela Bassett down um, on the floor of, uh, of, of the hotel. Um, and they're, you know, it's very obvious that they're going to beat the crap out of her and arrest quote quote her and her and Lenny and take them out somewhere and shoot them. And um at this point who shows up but Commissioner Strickland. Uh, coming down. Oh it's the commissioner, yes. Yeah, Commissioner Strickland coming down like a like a like a god um out of the night sky in a uh, in a LAPD police helicopter. <laughs> it's true. Before this we get a what I think is an important scene where, you know, Angela Bassett's yeah. getting beaten. It's obviously supposed to sort of mirror the Rodney King beating. Yeah. And there's and there's a riot, essentially. There's like a, and there's a riot. And yeah, so I think this is what Catherine Bigelow is good at doing is she gives you what you think you want. And then once you get it, you realize, oh, this isn't what I wanted. Yeah. So oh, this, is terrible. You know, this whole I'm movie, joined. it's like. You know, it's a police state, it's the army, and you're just like, I just hope there's, like, a rising up, you know? And then you get it, 
and very quickly it just goes very violent and you're like oh i didn't actually want this did i because then the escalation continues and suddenly more swat are coming in and like the national guard type of people are coming in yeah absolutely and um you know we we've already seen that tanks are out on the street we've already seen that um the presence the people are beating up santa claus (laughs) yeah yeah and the presence is hot and heavy and you know the minute that these two cops start to get beaten down for beating down Angela Bassett, everybody shows up and it just becomes a scrum. It becomes a free for all. And, you know, um, Lenny is like crouching on top of Mace, trying to make sure that she doesn't get trampled. And um, everybody. But then the commissioner shows up and, you know, in a, in a, in a interesting twist is like, you guys are getting arrested for murder. Yeah. And because of this tape that this woman gave me you know? um, in the bathroom, yes, in the bathroom. And um, <laughs> good, good work, Mr. Nero, you disappointment, <laughs> you terrible, terrible disappointment. Right. Like his whole thing is just to try to fix this. And then ultimately, it's just again, it's just Angela Bassett's character that does it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He just gets his ass kicked. But we forgot to mention, by the way, that. Uh, Max gets killed yes. in a very diehard like moment where he falls off of this. Oh huge yeah, that's true. Hotel in LA. <laughs> yeah, he's probably still got his wire on. So that is- and yeah, it is revealed that it's a huge blonde wig and he's wearing a wire under it. But anyway, yeah. yes, that that tape might be worth something. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and so everything is not exactly as it should be people are still kind of dancing and rioting and milling around and um the light from above is from police search lights but confetti starts to fall and um mace and lenny are finally hugging each other and definitely together and it is the turn of the millennium and the world has not ended yeah yeah. And uh yeah, I got to say this is um this is a movie that is really hard to watch. Um in certain in certain parts it's like oh yeah, crazy hard to watch. But the overall impact of the film every time I watch it, it once again reminds me that Catherine Bigelow is one of my favorite film directors. And that I really like seeing movies that are about something, you know, it's. um... Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's yeah. I had an interesting experience watching this film because um, when I first saw this, obviously I was 12 or something around that age. So I obviously didn't really get a lot of it. I appreciated it for an action film because I was a little 12 year old boy and I was like, die hard and, you know, all the, you know. Point Break and yeah. friggin' Predator 2, which is always on TBS for some reason. Predator 2 um, is great. It's awesome. I, I, it is great. Though. I love uh, the but, cast in that. But, you know, watching this film now, being like an actual adult, yeah. it, it's like, oh, okay, this is, this is interesting. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on here that was very, um, for lack of a better term, ballsy. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of stuff she did. I can understand why she didn't work for a little while. Yeah, super ballsy. I mean, okay, so Strange Days and True Lies were supposed to kick off a multi-million dollar deal between Lightstorm Entertainment 
and 20th Century Fox. Um, but Strange Days got $30 million of that money and True Lies got $70 million of, dollars of that money. And True Lies with, was a blockbuster and Strange Days tanked. And, yeah. uh, and then Catherine Bigelow broke up with James Cameron. So, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, in an alternate future, maybe that, maybe that went the other way. Um, because I got to say, I hate True Lies. <laughs> I think it's an awful, awful. I don't even remember. Is True Lies the one with Schwarzenegger? Yeah, it's the one with Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis, where she does yeah, I, strip Yeah, I mean, I remember it. I don't else. think it was amazing. Uh, it's It has not aged well. And it actually wasn't that great at the time, but it definitely has not aged well. No, I mean, I say this as a heterosexual male, but pretty much the highlight for me was like, hey, Jamie Lee Curtis. And that was full stop. Sure. <laughs> it. And you can see Jamie Lee Curtis with her kid off in several other much better films. But that's true, though. I mean, like, if you, you know, especially nowadays, but like, you know, I, I guess I understand why it did well back in the day, because you couldn't just go to YouTube and like Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, but yeah. but yeah, now I could see. I mean, I don't know. Was, a lot of Schwarzenegger's films, obviously, that, that was, have not aged well. That was part of it. But, you know, also, um, it's incredibly uh, Islamophobic. Um, yeah, see, I haven't watched in years, so I, I thankfully kind of memory dumped the actual plot points. Yeah, super Islamic, Islamophobic and super, you know, the CIA is wonderful. La, la, la. And it's a, a really oh, great well, thing. It's far to, from the only film that does that. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, um, but there, there are like a, a bunch of different reasons that I think a modern audience would not react particularly well to that film. But no. at the time, that was blockbuster material and that was the audience friendly film. Now, you know, uh, Cameron was coming back from, um, I think, not the deep. What's what's it called? Ah, uh, the, abyss? the abyss. Yes, yes. The big deep hole at the bottom of the sea. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> the abyss. Uh, yeah, he was he was told to change the title because nobody would know what it meant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the deep hole in the ocean. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the big deep deep hole at the bottom of the sea, and um, which I personally think is probably his his best film aside from Terminator. Um, and, uh, and that is much more audience friendly to my mind in the same way that Strange Days is because it's built around real emotions. It's not built yeah. around some kind of, you know, bullshit sitcom thing of, you know, my wife doesn't think that I'm interesting anymore because he, she doesn't know I'm a CIA agent. Yeah. Right. It's very... From what I remember, it's very surface. It's just like, look at Arnold Schwarzenegger's muscles, look at Jamie Lee Curtis's legs, yeah. and then there's explosions. Yeah, more or less exactly, it. exactly. But um, which has its place. But you know, I could. Yeah. That doesn't obviously. That's that's very surface. There's not much to like. There's no real reason to go back. Yeah. You know? So I understand why he chose to do True Lies, but I wrote about it at the time, and I and I said that I really felt that he was betraying his earlier instincts to go with oh and then later on he did avatar so yeah exactly with you know interesting female characters and a real you know sort of um a, a mixture of interesting character types and an, an understanding of human emotions 
of, you know, that you have to balance inhuman stuff with human emotions. And I think in hindsight, both The Abyss and Strange Days play considerably better than, um, you know, than the things which they which the people around them would have preferred that they be. Uh, yeah, and I mean, it gets what I like into... about Catherine is that she never really does that. She you know, it's like I, I think. No, I think what makes her like a a good director, and I've I've seen this in a lot of directors or writers or artists, whoever, is they aren't necessarily going off of what's popular at the time or the trends at the time. They are working within a system. Yep. And they are obviously cognizant of what is popular, and you know they might be getting some bigger actors to help sell their film and all this, but I don't think anybody can deny that, like, the plot of Strange Days for 96, I could see why it didn't do well. Yes, but the plot of Strange Days for 2021. But the thing is, it's lasted, and that's, I think, why it, yeah. it's lasted, because she's she's making it n- not outside of time, but almost, like, not factoring in... What the time is. Right. It's like it's like you're factoring in, obviously, the Rodney King stuff. Yeah. But you're not factoring in, like, what bullshit is going to make my movie, like, just a huge blockbuster hit. Yeah. Like, at the time. Like, right now. You know? What, right. What is... And that's the reason that we're still talking about this film and the reason why it's so interesting to try to track it down and watch it and talk about it. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, like, something like... Oh, God. What else even came out in 96? Um, <laughs> All sorts of things, I'm sure. A number of things. A number of things. But yeah, you know, this is the movie we're talking about. And I think that if you can find it, if you can track it down, where did you find it? Um, Admittedly, I had to go on eBay and get a DVD. Oh, (laughs) Oh my God. Um, No, unfortunately, yeah, it's it's just like... It's the same thing with me. It's like I... I found uh, I found a another DVD of it fairly recently, like just before the pandemic hit, and sent it to a friend of mine because which film was this? Uh, Strange Days. I, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. uh, because that's what I do with my with my fun time. I go and. Uh, I mean, that's fair because honestly, as soon as you brought this up, and then as soon as I Googled and it was like not streaming anywhere. Yeah. I get this kind of weird feverish, like, but I want it. <laughs> like, so exactly. I run into that. Like, I'm currently running into that with um, Jeff Vandermeer wrote a Predator novel. Oh, wow. And uh, it's like the cheapest I can find so far is 60 bucks. Oh, but I'm just like, no, I'm sure it's somewhere for less than $60. It's got <laughs> like, it's got I've just be. been obsessive for a week. Like, I, I really want to read this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And so I'm like, just like, just like going to every site I can find and like, I have the ISBN number, but yeah. So, you know, needless to say, when I found out, like, I, it was harder to f- watch Strange Days. I'm like, well, now I have to watch it. Yeah. Well, guys, if you can find Strange Days, fucking find it, fucking watch it. It's, I mean, it was definitely like less than $20 on eBay, so it's easy enough to find. Yeah, it is absolutely worth your while. And Let's uh, let's start, you know, putting together some kind of um, oh god, what do you call that? Where people sign something? Petition. A uh, petition. Yeah, putting together some kind of petition to get. I mean, honestly, I was a. I guess I'm not that things. shocked, but I was a little shocked that I'm like, you know, she's done Hurt Locker and mm. 
Zero Dark Thirty, which were huge movies. That's true. So the fact that her whole catalog isn't available, but you know, well, and then you get into rights issues, and it's like, yeah. So it was 20th Century Fox, and now Fox isn't even Fox; it's owned by Disney. So it's just 20th Century Films. So it's you know, it's exactly. just a whole mess. Exactly, and who knows? Who even knows what's going on with the Lightstorm part of that equation? So oh, that I have no idea about. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So one way or the other, if you can see Strange Days, see it. It is vintage tech noir that sadly is so apt for today that it's amazing. It is. And it's interesting, you know, as like a time capsule of the 90s in terms of the fashion and the, you know, the decor and just the vibe. But it's also, yeah, it is sort of it has this timeless quality that's unfortunately it shouldn't be timeless, but it still is. (laughs) Yeah. Just about oppression and violence and human greed and all that. Yeah, and fascinating uh, fascinating gender mechanics. So, yeah, absolutely. See it. But anyway, that, that's probably going to wrap it up. Um, we have a Patreon that I never update, but I swear I'll update it at some point. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if you want to throw a dollar at that, it helps me out a lot. I'm going to be putting some more episodes up on the YouTube and uh, our main hub on the internet is anchor.fm slash celluloid sits. And our Twitter is at celluloid sits. So if you want to interact with us, Twitter is probably the easiest way Uh, we could use the followers and interaction. So that'd be great. Um, But anyway, thank you for coming back on Gemma. Uh, We should do this again soon. Yes, I would love to do that. And thank you for letting me yell for an hour. That's fine. I mean, everybody needs an excuse to yell about films for an hour. (laughs) Yes. But anyway, uh, this has been Cellulite Citizens. I'm Sean M. Thompson. I'm Gemma Files. And uh, yeah, have a good one.